Hello everyone, welcome to the latest instalment of Technically Minded, a podcast brought to you by Crudera. As ever, I hope all the listeners are safe and well and are excited to hear more about our topic today. For those listeners who are new to Technically Minded, we aim to provide an opportunity for colleagues from across our firm to come together to discuss business and technical problems that we see in from a range of our clients and partners across the various sectors we work in, in the hope that our experiences and insights are helpful to you, our listeners. I'm your host for this session. My name is Simon Greenhouse and I'm a director at Credera. My pronouns are he, him. As June is LGBT plus Pride Month, in today's episode, we're exploring the common challenges faced by LGBT plus consultants in the workplace and consider how both firms and the wider community can support them. I'm sure it's no surprise to our listeners to hear consultants spend the majority of their time working within client organisations, and this can present unique challenges to our LGBT plus consultants. Uh, for today's episode, I'm joined by consultants from Codera, PwC and KPMG to offer their insights and experience in this space. They are Kim Warren, Managing Consultant and LGBT Plus Network Lead at Credera. Hi. Martin Smith, Senior Manager in Risk and UK Co-Chair of Shine, PwC's LGBTQ Plus Network. Hi. And Mariana Sakuchi, Manager in the Public Sector Consulting and the LGBT Plus Network Lead at KPMG. Hello. Welcome all and thank you very much for taking the time to have a conversation with us today. Before we dive in today's talking points, can we take a minute just to introduce ourselves and offer some background to our listeners? Uh, could I come to you first, please, Kim? Yep. So uh, so my name's Kim. My pronouns are they and them. Uh, I came into consulting from, a, from an academic background. I had come out as gay in academia, so I had some sort of experience in a, in a, non, in a sort of non-professional setting as sort of coming out and, and adjusting into, into that kind of role. When I made the jump to consulting, I made sure I was very out from the start as as gay uh, and then later uh, also came out as trans and so had to make decisions about how to manage that both internally and on client. Um, but through part of that, I've become very involved in our internal LGBT network to try and make sure that we have very clear paths going forwards for, for other people who might find themselves in a similar situation. Outside of sort of the day job, I also uh, volunteer for Diversity Role Models, which is a charity that does work against LGBT bullying in schools. Thank you, Kim. Uh, Martin, could I come to you next, please? Thanks, Simon. Great to be here. Um, so yeah, I'm Martin. Pronouns are he, him. Um, I guess I've got a bit of a potted history across um, m- most of my career. So I've worked in system, systems integrators in industry uh, and in professional services firms across most of my last sort of 15 years or so. Um, and there's a bit of a mix of my sort of LGBT experience over that time. Um, for for a long part, I guess, at the beginning part of my career, I kind of didn't really see how or why I might be involved with an LGBT network. I didn't really see what it did for me. And actually, one of my earlier employers didn't have one or not that I was aware of. So I kind of struggled with role models and seeing people who were a bit like me um, uh, being successful and, and, and therefore some of that sort of objective side of stuff. Um, a, long t- a, lot, a lot of water's passed under the bridge since then and obviously we've got a really strong network and have had for a long time at PwC and um, so some of the work that I do is particularly around driving our network nationally and um, we relaunched actually a couple of years ago to much more clearly join up what we do globally even though we're, we're a network of uh, separate firms uh, across the globe and um, because actually we do quite often work with um, a topic of this, this conversation um, clients all over the place um, but obviously with our colleagues from around the world as well, and depending on the nature of the work that we're doing at any point in time. So uh, yeah, absolutely we exist to, I think probably in the same way that 
and yours and, and KPMG's networks will, will exist to support our staff first, uh, to make sure that we're holding our ourselves to drive progress in the company and, and out in society as well. Fantastic. Thanks, Martin. Can I come to you next, please, Mariana? Yeah, thanks, Simon. And yeah, thanks so much for having me here. Um, I'm Mariana. My pronouns are she and her. And actually, my story is kind of quite different to yours, Martin, because I came out at a really early age as LGBT in Brazil. And I had a really difficult time coming out there in quite a conservative environment. So when I was looking for a workplace and a place to work, um, my first thing was going to who has an LGBT network? Where would I be able to like be visible and like be included in this network? So I'm really glad to be here today and to be discussing about how um, inclusive consulting currently is and how we can make it even better. Brilliant. Thank you all for sharing your backgrounds with the listeners. To kick us off today, it'd be good to discuss some of the specific challenges faced by LGBT plus consultants that I alluded to in the introduction. So could I come to you first, Kim, please, uh, to get the conversation started? Sure. So um, LGBT plus consultants face a lot of the sort of same problems that LGBT plus people in, in any industry do. For example, sort of how out at work do you want to be? Um, you know, how inclusive is your employer going to be? How accepting is your employer going to be? Is that going to cause you kind of problems in terms of sort of uh, promotion paths, for example? The added challenge as a consultant who spends a lot of time on client rather than internally is that you just have to keep making that decision every time you end up going to a new client, especially as a trans person who uses uh, third person pronouns, for example, even at the point of putting together my sort of CV for, for when that goes to the client, there's the extra moment of reflection when I'm writing it going, half second, do I want to be careful not to use pronouns in this at all? Or do I want to make it really obvious up front so we don't have to have that conversation later? For LGB uh, consultants, then there's obviously the problems with the, the standard conversations about, you know, what are you doing at the weekend? Do you mention your partner or not? Except it's just sort of amplified because you have to keep making those decisions every time you're interacting Sort of in a new circumstance. No, I think you're right, Kim. I mean, my my reflection. So I, I remember multiple times, even just something as simple as um, going for a, a drink after work or something like that with clients who perhaps you don't know very well in their personal life, and they'll they'll dip around the group and sort of ask how people's wives and girlfriends are, and they, then they come to me and I say, well, actually, a I'm single anyway, so it kind of doesn't really count, but b wife and girlfriend also not actually strictly accurate for me um but obviously there's a there's a choice at that moment in time to work out whether how direct you want to be in answering it because it's 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 awkward to make people feel uncomfortable anyway and that's that's not the objective um but i guess certainly through through what i've seen there's 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 even challenges like depending on how you talk to somebody in an office i've had more than one occasion where um I've spoken to ladies in the office and they'll turn to their colleague who I do happen to know really well afterwards and say they do know I've got a boyfriend he does know that I've got a boyfriend doesn't he uh, and there'll be a gentle you do know he's gay right um because people people make assumptions based on appearances um and I guess that's part of the biggest challenge I think for me um yeah I completely agree there's definitely that element of when to come out how to come out to different clients like especially if you work across different sectors are certain sectors more likely to be inclusive than others but I think in addition to that there's also like the global perspective like um, a lot of consultancy 
a lot of large consultancies are based across the globe and there's that added element of like how do we stand up for lgbt plus people in different countries what's the appropriate way or the even like legal way to do it in different offices like in london you you don't have to think twice about we're going to light up a, a rainbow outside of the office but if you're if you're somewhere else where being lgbt might be illegal this might even draw attention negatively to employees so i think the global side of it is also really um important aspect that is really hard to manage in consulting. Um, and especially if you work in organizations where there are people from these countries that might, being LGBT might be illegal and they're here like being safe and living their life. How do you offer support to them and how do you make sure that they have a safe space within consulting whilst also staying safe and being able to be themselves at work? That was definitely a big thing going around because obviously with it being Pride Month and all the uh, lots of organisations having lit up their uh, social media logos with a rainbow flag. Certainly that's been a very active conversation I've noticed this year about organisations that operate in multiple countries where notably they have rainbow flagged their US and their UK social media account, but then they haven't for their Saudi Arabian social media account, for example. So there's definitely uh, definitely a, a conversation there about how how we operate across different jurisdictions like that. And I think uh, on the same level, sort of even companies with different uh, different kind of diversity policies, even within the UK, I guess, how do you how do you respond to that on a on a kind of consultancy level if, if someone doesn't meet your your standards necessarily? Yeah, I think just going back on that, and there's a really good point about how to like collaborate with our clients over LGBT inclusion, because I also think like we're in a unique position in consulting and a lot of what I've done and what I've kind of like led over the past year is um, linking up with our clients, not just in the work that I'm delivering, but also bringing the LGBT aspect to it. So if I'm at a, at a client site, um, linking them in with uh, events that we're doing at my organization or doing a collaborative event and like creating a kind of like LGBT little sector, little network in that sector which I think has been really impactful. So I think it's, it's a really important conversation to be had around LGBT inclusion and in consulting because we are at this unique position where we can influence our clients and like collaborate with our clients to also help them promote inclusion in their workplaces and promote inclusion like globally. For me working in government, this has been really important because um, it enables me to have these conversations and, and really create the networks there which are going to raise a profile of LGBT inclusion across government. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. And I think um, like from my perspective as well, quite often because I, I do a lot of public sector work also, and we'll we'll see a requirement in a public sector tender often to say, how are you going to comply with um, all of our EDI policies, for example? Um, so to a certain extent, speaking as somebody working in the public sector, I have a level of comfort, although obviously every organisation's at a different uh, point in their journey towards co complete and true inclusion. Um, but yeah, level of comfort that some of that will be covered off. I know that some of my other colleagues have kind of th kind of seen a scenario where they perhaps worked in other industries and said, well, actually, I don't really see the value in me coming out and I'm a bit worried that it's going to affect my career. Um, I mean, we're really fortunate. We're going through through the process of sharing a lot of information, obviously, this month, as we do every month, but particularly talking about role model stories. And there's one lady in particular who shared her story for this uh, publication we've got going out next week to say um, she, ha she had been a bit like me and kind of thought, well, actually, is it going to affect my career? Um, and people who knew knew and people who didn't didn't. Um, she talks quite passionately about how 
her decision to be more open in our workplace and through that with her clients as well actually led to much more genuine conversations so I think there's there's a thing for all of us about yes it's completely true that we're coming out all the time fact that there's a thing for all of us that actually yes there is potentially a sort of situation of fear almost about apprehension saying do I don't I what are the risks um what decision am I going to make um but I think as well there's absolutely a point to say understand the benefits based on on other people's experiences to say actually it could be a real benefit to me at the same time um, and some of my closest probably speaking less to the LGBT point but more to the corporate point at the moment some of my some of my closest connections are actually LGBT network people because we've got something in common um, and quite apart from the work side of things we, we as a community do try to look after each other. I think that's very true I think um, certainly I've I've been able to make quite a sort of a much much many more connections and much more of sort of a network by fortunately being in London um, in a normal year there's so many kind of LGBT and networking events that allow though allow you to make those kind of connections with LGBT people in other companies and 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 sort of build up that community around yourself and and that also helps with things like making sure that you uh, when you're when you're looking at going to a client, making sort of g- gauging how how safe that client is, for example, to come out at, because if you've met five people who work there, then you know it's probably pretty good. And you also have the ins on who's in the network. I, I personally, if I'm if I'm going to be on a client for a long time, I like to try and get in contact with their pride network. Um, and and so having having met people previously really makes that a lot easier to know who to ping an email over to to kind of go, hey, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be with you for a few months. What have you got going on? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Absolutely. Um, and I think sometimes it can be a bit of a surprise for people in those in those uh, client networks to be in with that there's some there's there's some interloper, some outsider coming in saying, um, can I come and join the club? But at the same time, actually, difference and variety and diversity of experience is some of the stuff that makes it so much stronger. So um, so yeah, I, I mean that's one of the tips that I would give anybody is is to see what local support exists as well. Um, absolutely, some, some great conversation there. I guess what one reflection from me uh, that came out of that was um, the assumptions people make. So my husband and I adopted two boys uh, in the middle of last year, and the kind of round robin of conversations. As soon as you start talking about your children, it, even if people have been perhaps. Um, reserved and not made assumptions as soon as you mention children they automatically start asking about wife etc um so it kind of shows that this is an ongoing thing that there's forever the need to uh, re-educate and support people and, um, and and help with help them on their journey um and we're starting to get on to uh, another point i wanted to talk about there which is to explore what employers can do in order to support lgbt consultants who are working in client organizations Martin, do you want to lead us on this conversation? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and I think it touches on some of the points that I was making a second ago. So much like I'm sure Kim uh, and Mariana as well, um, I've worked on a variety of projects ranging from sort of two, three, four weeks through to two, three, four, six, 12 months. So, so depending on the nature and obviously COVID aside, quite a lot of those have been very predominantly based in client offices. Um, what I've found, certainly, in, certainly in the in the longer term projects, I think, like you mentioned, Kim, making some connection with the local network who kind of understands what that organisation is like, and can um, sort of help counsel, build your network, and support physically there with you is really important. 
So I ended up with one one client that I worked with. I ended up facilitating some conversations at one of their LGBT conferences, just as somebody with some different experiences. Um, and maybe it's just the fact that I'm a consultant and I'm quite happy to stand up and talk and make myself heard in front of a lot of people was quite useful for them. But it but it seemed to serve the purpose really well at the time. And then much more recently with another client um, where they, they've been undergoing some change and, and one of the people heavily involved with their sort of culture programme and, and evolving that side of things came into sort of brief on what their people network was doing. And again, sort of offline said, consultant here I'm, I'm from outside but if it would help I'm more than happy to put you in touch with our people networks talk you through the journey that we've been through um, and actually then it feels like I'm contributing to the client as an entity and not just the project that I'm on it makes me feel like I've more I've integrated better anyway um, so, so those are a couple of things and I think more broadly than that what what can our employers do so like what what can my employer do I'm I'm quite clear with my team back at base for want of a better term um almost to a certain extent what i need there is i think probably to the point that mariana made a minute ago obviously there's there's a difference in different territories about the kinds of kinds of things that are acceptable or not uh, legal or illegal um so I, i've not worked for example in the middle east i know i know gay colleagues who have um but but that's quite a conscious and considered choice and I think um, sort of more broadly than that, the employer having an understanding of what may or may not be acceptable um, about situations that they may be asking their staff to be in, it's got to be part of the conversation more broadly. So not just for LGBT stuff, but um, there's a risk conversation for any new job, isn't there, to say, actually, is this safe? Is it the right thing for us to be doing? Does it stand with our brand and our, our identity? Does it meet our purpose? Um, uh, and asking those sorts of questions and and how that could impact your people I think is a sensible place to start. I, I completely agree Martin I think that risk points are really important and making sure that um, consultancies aren't putting consultants in a situation where they wouldn't be comfortable and that wouldn't impact their career progression I think that's that's really important and what I've kind of seen that is that the majority of how um, comfortable or how supported someone is going to be in a client side is actually a lot to do with, with their team in the consultancy rather than the client team. It's about how we sell the work. It's about like what kind of um, additional conversations we're having. I know at least in public sector, most of my clients were also having conversations around like LGBT inclusion, around BAME inclusion. So we're kind of already being setting the tone that these are not things that we wouldn't tolerate. And I think with that, it's, it's a really, really important to have allies and quite senior people being allies like partners and consultancies when they're selling the work when they're like creating like teams creating diverse teams and being allies to to minorities so that if there are issues or if they do need to have a conversation with the client they will to make sure that um there's always a safe space and lgbt people aren't disadvantaged in the workplace for any reason just to just to build on what both uh, mariana and martin have said about uh, about about allyship and and Having people who are aware of what the potential issues could be and, and having people, you know, internally at the consultancy who will have that dialogue with you and keep that dialogue going. So, for example, I've had um, one of my account managers uh, before I started a role um, called me up just for a quick conversation to sort of say, look, do you want me to do you want me to sort of explicitly say about the pronouns you use to the client before you even start? Like, do you want me to have that conversation, which I was more than happy to take him up on when he offered to do that? 
but then it but then also it being clear in sort of internal policy what routes are for escalation if something goes wrong or if something sort of uncomfortable happens so uh i've been quite lucky that nothing particularly uncomfortable has happened but there's certainly been i there's the eternal conversation in the news at the moment about about transgender people and, and toilets and certainly i've had a situation on a client where i walked out the toilet as someone else was walking in and i saw them kind of freeze backpedal checking the door they didn't say anything nothing happened since from there but it did sort of make it quite obvious i guess how that kind of situation could escalate and having those kind of internal policies very clear of this you know if you encounter a problem and this is true not just for lgbt consultants actually but also for all consultants who might run into uh uncomfortable situations on client on actually what is the process who do you raise it with and if you do raise it what will happen next just so that people have that confidence that they can have those conversations and bring those back and and it doesn't nest and it's not going to blow up on them if they do yeah i think that's fair and there's a massive parallel in all of that for me i think with what a lot of us have been through over the past sort of 15 18 months or so with covid where we were really conscious at the beginning of the period to say we are very hopeful. I can't I obviously can't promise that it's perfect for everybody, but I'm, I'm very hopeful that we've got a really inclusive workplace and people feel that as well. Um, obviously, everybody can make more progress. But at the same time, when we locked down, there were potentially a, a significant number of people who were out in work, almost going back to a situation where they were less out or less comfortable to be themselves. So again, it's that sort of wrap to say, how can we extend support either in a spoken form or through uh, sort of on-screen chat so that people wouldn't necessarily be overheard in an environment where they're concerned but they've got an ability and a place that they can take that to um and that i mean we still reinforce the message now actually if you if you just need to talk to somebody talk type whatever it is then uh, then this is how, how we would go about doing it um, so, and so and i think the other point is about reinforcing that message on a regular basis yeah, completely agree. I think internal policy is really important. And yeah, as, as I kind of mentioned before, setting the tone from, from the, the consulting side is a way better way than addressing issues later on, just making sure that um, before we even send any consultants with any, because anyone could have any sort of diversity characteristics that we don't know about to so make sure that the, the partner and the directors are there open for conversations and will challenge clients if needed to. Like there will be the challenge and there will be consequences. I think my, my sort of other reflection, I guess, is that, like I said, I think in my intro, I'd, I'd not sort of at the beginning of my career not been particularly out. People who knew knew and people didn't, didn't. Um, and then sort of come 20, 2018 when I rejoined PwC having had a, a I'd left and then come back from a from a different role in industry um that role in industry had actually been super out because I was part of a big team that was weirdly majority LGBT um so I, I say weirdly shouldn't be weird but it's it's unusual I should say um and, and then when I came back into PwC then I, then I was out out there was no sort of there was no reason for me not to be um, but I still felt some apprehension about sort of saying to some of my seniors, actually, I want to go and project manage what we're doing for Pride that year, for example. Um, will you support it? And and I was, I worked out, I spent a lot of time working out how to deliver that message and how to ask that question. Um, and the response I got was, absolutely, yes, that's a brilliant idea, um, which, which took me back slightly. And I guess um, the other thing for, for any LGBT plus consultant to remember is that you're potentially casting your assumptions on 
on an outcome of a situation as well. Um, so, so being aware of what those assumptions are and and whether or not you can test them is another thing to bear in mind. Excellent. Some really interesting points raised there, and some crossover on our next talking point, which is how we think our wider LGBT plus communities and networks could support LGBT plus consultants. Are you okay, Mariana? To start us off this time, please. Yeah. Thanks, Simon. Um, I think there is a big presence and a very big community there in in LGBT charities and LGBT support groups and supporting individuals. But I think if we think about consultancy as a whole, for me, it's more the opposite. Like, what can we be doing as large organizations to be supporting smaller community led initiatives? Um, For example, we should be helping UK Black Pride um, grow and develop and show that that is important. That is something that we value. LGBT plus charities have been hit massively by COVID. And I think as consultants and because we do deal in so many different environments and we do deal a lot in the public sector, we also have a responsibility of supporting smaller charities and making sure that we are there and representing the organizations that are supporting the most vulnerable in our communities. One thing that we've always done in my organization is we sponsor a charity for Pride. So we get a number of prize prize spaces for like London Pride and then half of them go to a, a charity, usually a smaller one that wouldn't usually go to Pride to help them build up, raise their profile and fundraise together. So for me, I guess this relationship of what can communities and organizations do to support consultants has more been like on an individual level. We can all gain a lot from different supports and mental health support that is out there and different organizations and supports. But if we think about consultancy as a whole, for me, it's always been more of a what can we do to help build smaller organizations that are going to be there for the most vulnerable in our community. I think um, I think I, I fully agree with Mariana. I actually think it's a it's one of those relationships that that's kind of um it's beneficial for everyone because if a for sort of large consultancies and LGBT networks within these consultancies, if the networks then uh, sort of join up with charities, support charities, do work for them, for example, sort of joining sort of networks that can help them find volunteering opportunities, things like that, and, and, and lend support to charities where it's required, that also enables the sort of forming of these greater networks, which are what ultimately is going to support uh, give LGBT consultants the, the most kind of support, having that sense of community around them. No, I think that's that's absolutely right. And I mean, the emphasis for all of us is on on the word community. Is differences are one thing that all humanity's got in in common anyway. Um, I, I guess maybe we're a little bit more acutely aware of it in in LGBTQ plus um world. And then um, I suppose for me as well, there's a piece about what can I give back. So I'm at a point where I've got a level of privilege as a white masculine presenting cisgender man. Um, albeit gay, I've got some give back because I've got some privilege that not everybody has. Um, so there's a there's a point of personal sort of pride and satisfaction as well to to help do that. Martin, I I agree about the give back for sure, and I think now kind of some charities are picking up on this as well. Like I don't know if you know about the charity Tent, but they're looking at um providing mentorship to LGBT plus asylum seekers and helping them kind of get into work. And all they ask is that big, um, big companies sponsor them and and commit to mentor 50 different asylum seekers per year. No, sorry, in, in three years, which is compared to the size of organizations and compared to like the amount that we've 
all grown from being LGBT and facing different challenges in society and succeeding at work. There's so much give back there. That is a really valuable thing to go and looking for these charities that um, are needing support and us as LGBT network leaders going there and making sure their organizations are at the forefront of giving back that support. I think I've seen um, there's there's been some other initiatives to try and uh, encourage companies to offer internships to uh, to to young transgender people. And I think certainly with that and with the with this asylum seeker mentorship, it's it's having that understanding that these people, uh, due to the sort of uh, the the hardships and the discrimination they faced uh, in the earlier years, may not have the ne- necessarily the same level of sort of grounding and background that you would look for in a normal sort of mentee or intern. And 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 being able to form that relationship anyway, and and see whether this is something that could be developed further, even though the even though the back setting is a bit different. Yeah, I think so. There's a there's a massive purpose thing for me about helping to create the inclusive society we want, um, where everybody's respected regardless of um, of any particularly uh, any particular diversity characteristic that you might want to talk about. Yeah. And we're, we're massively diverse, even within our LGBT plus networks, I'm sure. In my organization, we have completely different backgrounds, like people like me, whose always goal was to be as out as possible. People who like had to kind of like be comfortable and take their times to 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 get there. People who kind of just want to share their experiences, but not really be as, as involved and having different ways to support communities based on like this diversity that we inherently have is a really, really powerful tool. Yeah, and I, and I just reflect back on the ally point that you both made earlier on that often we find that people in positions of power who can make change are um, not necessarily part of the LGBT community themselves, but might see themselves as allies, they might not. But ultimately, we, we need those people to help us disrupt the ecosystem so that um, so that we can start to build places where some of us are role models, some of us have achieved success and that will get recognised because of the differences that we have, not not in spite of the differences. Um, uh, so, yeah, so so I would just add in as well um, for, for all organisations that we work with, um, both whether they're LGBT plus or otherwise, allies, role models, partnership, um, it's about achieving stuff together. Some of our listeners may well be LGBT plus consultants who are facing struggles that we've talked about. What key takeaway would you offer them drawing on your own experience? Uh, Martin? Uh, I, I guess there's probably two or three things for me. W- one of them very much about working out um, what you are and what you aren't comfortable sharing. So your your red lines, if you like, and um, who you feel comfortable talking to in your own environment and organisation so that you've got that support network before you're out in the client. And then at the same time, um, practice almost. It, sound, it sounds really twee, but the more you do it, the more you'll get used to it and know what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. Um, so those would probably be my three. Um, I think for me, the really key is like realize the power in the community and finding your own community to support you throughout your journey, both personally and in your career. Um, my advice would be reach out to one other person, like start small, like someone maybe you've seen in your team or you've heard about maybe someone who shared their profile. Just reach out to them, ask them questions. I think you'll find that people are way more open and receptive to giving advice and sharing information that you you thought so before. I think that was my biggest learning throughout my career, how open people actually are to help you succeed and to help build this network of LGBT plus professionals that um 
are there for each other and will help each other grow their careers in whatever way. Fantastic. And Kim? Uh, yeah, I guess my piece of advice were um, pe people are certainly within sort of professional sector, certainly within within uh, the UK, people are generally more accepting than you might be concerned about. So if you want to be out, don't be afraid of that. Um, but at the same time, don't feel pressured to like being out as an LGBT consultant can give you a whole load of opportunities to meet people and to do things that might not necessarily be available to someone of your grade otherwise but at the same time don't feel pressured that you have to be you know standing up at these sort of events on stages and, and talking about your experiences don't feel like you have to be running the network because you are the gay consultant um it, it, you're allowed to say no to these things i think that i think that's a tip for all of us kim <laughs> awesome thank you guys but i'm afraid we're out of time as ever there were some really interesting points raised in today's conversations if any of our listeners would like to reach out to our speakers today you can always get in touch with us via our contact us page or by leaving us a voice message on the podcast itself. We will ensure your questions find the relevant speaker and that you receive a response. A huge thank you to our speakers, Martin, Kim and Mariana, for making the time to share their views and experiences with us today. And finally, a huge thank you to you, our listeners, for joining and listening to the conversation. Take care, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon.